Okay, everyone, gather around. I'm going to tell you something that happened to some friends of some friends of mine at the park just down the street. It happened the other night, and oh man, you're not going to believe this. Silent screams bounce around my head like an impending storm, brewing into a force that will escape in a wild dance of chaos and be lost forever if I don't stop to write them down. Welcome to episode 14 of Prelude to a Scream, podcast fiction by Mark Leslie. I'm your host, Mark Leslie, and today's story is basically based on an urban legend, and it's called Almost. Almost by Mark Leslie. The dark woods were far from still. A strong wind made the tops of the trees bow. A low howl accompanied the wind as it forced its way around the branches and through the leaves. Orange and yellow corpses fluttered from the trees to the ground, never to be buried, merely trampled upon. Muffled by the call of the wind, Dale Garrison crunched upon the newly fallen leaves as he ran through the forest. He stumbled to a tree and leaned against it, listening, watching. Out of breath, he looked back over his shoulder. He'd gotten this far without them picking up his trail. But he couldn't rest long. The dogs would soon pick up his scent and they'd be on his tail again. The horrid cost of freedom these days, Dale thought, running his left hand across his sweaty brow. He couldn't run like this all night. He'd have to find a ride or something, get out of his Sunnyside Institution uniform and flee the state before word of his escape got out. It had been twenty minutes since he'd been free. No doubt the local stations had broadcast his escape by now. He had to be very careful. He was an easily identifiable suspect. The wind howled louder, and he thought he could pick out the sounds of barking in the distance. Still out of breath, Dale stumbled forward and broke into a lurching run. A sharp pain stabbed through his side, and he tried to ignore it. The tempting smell of freedom, like a carrot held before a starving horse, guided him onward. Just when he thought he could bear the pain no longer, Dale staggered to a clearing, and before him he found exactly what he needed. A pale gray Chevrolet was parked in the clearing on a hill overlooking a spectacular view of the town below. Dale could detect two figures inside the car through the steamy windows. He slowly approached the car, crouching and trying to keep his breathing quiet. He hadn't yet figured out how he would overpower the people inside, as tired as he was, but he knew that he didn't have much time. Nearing the driver's door, he remained low and peered in through the window. A glance at them would tell him if they would be much of a threat to his freedom. Things hadn't changed much, Dale thought as he regarded a couple of teenagers making out. The male, thin and short, had his face pressed up against a blonde-haired female's face. Her hands danced up and down his back to the sound of a pop song on the radio. The man's hands deftly worked at unbuttoning the female's blouse. The car had been idling. Dale could see the keys in the ignition. Conflicting thoughts ran through Dale's mind. He wanted to continue watching. The sudden excitement of adolescent sex brought him memories of his own youth. It had been almost a decade since he saw real, live breasts. But he needed to get the teens out of the car so that he could escape. 
As Dale watched, feeling a stirring in his groin, he calculated his next move. Just as the boy had the girl's blouse open and cupped her breasts between his hands, the muffled voice for the radio announcer interrupted the song. Dale moved to the back of the car, his plan already formed. All that he had to do was open the passenger door, pull the girl from the car, and threaten to kill her if the boy didn't get out. He could then slip into the car and speed away. From the woods came the distinct sound of barking. They were getting closer. Dale moved quickly around the back of the car, and in his haste tripped over something. He landed on his left hand and it twisted beneath him. He let out a yelp. From within the car the girl screamed. Shit, Dale thought, cradling his left arm to his chest. The barking dogs were louder as they echoed in through the trees. As Dale slid forward on his left side, he could hear the boy and girl arguing within the car. By the time he reached the passenger door, the arguing seemed to be over. As Dale reached forward and grasped the door handle with his right hand, the car started moving. Searing pain shot through Dale's right arm as the car peeled away. He cradled the bloody stump at the end of his right arm to his chest and watched the car peel away down the dirt road, heading back to town. God damn cheap doctors, Dale thought, listening as the barking dogs neared the edge of the clearing. They had the technology to provide him with a workable, plastic right hand after the accident at the prison shop. But he was a criminal. He moaned as he lay on the ground, the exhaust and dust from the car settling on his face. The dogs burst through the trees, the excited shouts of the cops not far behind. They had the technology but wouldn't waste it, or the money for that matter, on a criminal slated for death row. Goddamn cheap doctors. He'd almost gotten away. He would have been able to open the door in time if not for that useless prosthetic hand. And, as the first dog reached him, he vaguely wondered when the kids would discover the hook stuck in the door handle. Almost is uh, the classic tale of the hook. An escaped convict on the loose... Notable, of course, for the hook in place of his hand, and a pair of young lovers out on Lover's Lane in their car looking for a night of passion. I was inspired to write this story because over the years, particularly around campfires and particularly when people were talking about urban legends, there were virtually hundreds and hundreds of take on this uh, takes on this story. I had um, read and heard so many different versions of it. I mean, in some of the cases, the uh, in most of the cases, the boy and girl are, you know, in the throes of passion. The radio's on. The song uh, is interrupted by a radio announcer that uh, so-and-so has escaped. He's on the loose. And, of course, the, the female in the car is nervous and says, please take me home. And the male's, you know, eager to get lucky, um, is, is, is angry. And so in, in some of the stories, uh, he gets out of the car to investigate and, she, you know, it's from her point of view and she's sitting there and, uh, she hears a noise and she, you know, he says before going out, um, whatever you do, don't, don't, don't leave the car. And, you know, the police find her the next morning, you know, you know, completely in shock sitting in the car while, you know, his m mangled body is, um, you know, beside the car or in the tree or something like that, or in some of the stories I've heard, you know, there's this weird tapping noise on the on the um, roof of the car, and that's his blood dripping down because he's been decapitated and he's hanging from the tree. So there's a, all kinds of 
weird and bizarre stories of the tail of the hook. I remember reading uh, about the tail of the hook when I was rather young in one of Stephen King's books. It might have been Dance Macabre, in which uh, he just talked about the one that is one of the interesting core stories. Um, and he talks about in that um, book the if I'm getting the book right, of course, the the fact that the original tale of the hook was one of those stories that was uh, like the monster that you never see, the monster behind the door. And they argue in the car, and he gets so angry, he just peels away. And uh, when he goes to um, bring her home, and he walks around the car, because keep in mind, this was back in the gentleman days, he walks around the car to open the door for her, he sees a hook stuck in the door handle, and obviously the the bad guy had been just about to open the door when they peeled away, and so the whole concept is the relief that they feel that their lives were saved uh, just at, 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 in the nick of time. So based on this original version of the tale of the hook, I thought it would be interesting to um, to see it from the point of view of the criminal who was escaping. Uh, and so I, I had some fun with that, and I had, um, this story was, anyways, my attempt at trying to take a point of view tale, uh, particularly a cliché story, and have some fun trying to rewrite the cliché in a new version. Of the hundreds of versions of this story I had heard over the years, I'd never once heard it from the point of view of the criminal, I, and, and that was a fun exercise for me as a writer. Almost was published in my short story collection, One Hand Screaming, in 2004. I have uh, done readings of it, um, live readings of it, and uh, the audience uh, tends to, to get a, a kick out of the tale. You can see you know, in the faces of some of the people in the audience that they get it, that they know what the hook at the end of the story is going to be. Um, and, and that's always fun to watch as I'm reading the story, their, their eyes light up. Um, but in any case, it was a fun story to write, and it's a very fun story to read, particularly when you're doing um, doing a reading and uh, you want to gauge the audience's reaction, you want to give them something short and sweet. Um, and again, uh, the concept of writing uh, point-of-view tales um, from a different point of view, particularly of a very, very cliché story, is a lot of fun for me. Uh, I don't believe I've gone back and written about uh, other urban legends. Um, there's a risk, of course, when you write about an urban legend in a horror story, is you go to submit that to a uh, to a market, and of course the magazine editor thinks that you're just ripping off an urban legend rather than rather than attempting to um, rewrite it from a different point of view. Uh, but that's the risk you run when you write in the horror genre. In any case, thanks for joining me with uh, episode 14 of Prelude to a Scream. Look forward to seeing you in episode 15. Okay, I'll be honest, I can't really see you, but uh, look forward to episode 15. I'll be talking and sending it out there, and hopefully you'll be out there listening. Thanks again for joining me. Have a great day. You've been listening to Prelude to a Scream, podcast fiction by Mark Leslie. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons 2.0 non-commercial, no derivatives license, which basically means feel free to copy it as many times as you want and give it to as many thousands of people you can. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening.